to some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. Hi, I'm Shaw. I'm Ollie. And we are Creeping It in the Family, a podcast where we dish details about all things horror. Episode 105? Yes. I believe. Episode 105. This is the first time we're double recording today. Yeah. So we're going to say 106 straight after it and throw ourselves off massively. It'll be great. Yeah, but at least we'll get two in a row, right? Fair point. Good point well made. Scream 3. Yeah, the so... The, right. Before we even start on this, this was the first thing I thought. Look, I know what the film is. I know it's not the favourite of the franchise, but it is hilarious. Where does it's it sit in your rankings? I feel like we did this before, but maybe that was the opening kills, wasn't it? I think it goes... I think I think it goes in order of my favourites, but sometimes Scream 3 and Scream 2 swap around. Yeah, Sometimes I'm the same. it's like 1, 3, 2, 4, 5. Scream 2 will be bottom for me if it wasn't for two chase scenes. Scene between two, what, what they think the other scene is. So obviously one is a chase scene with Gail, which I still think is the best chase scene in, in, in any one. horror. There's one more scene in there which just makes me think, fucking hell. If the first time watching it, it hits you harder than any scene probably in the Scream franchise in terms of like suspense. Oh, Randy. Nope. Oh no. Although that is no, nah, that oh, Scream Two's got to be higher <laughs> on the rankings because Randy's kill is also unreal. I I was going for originally where the Cece's on the phone and he slips in behind her. It is when they have to climb over Ghostface in the really? driver's seat. Really? See, I didn't think that... That scene is it terrifying. Is, it is tense, but I didn't think it was going to be in your... I watched a... Um, I watched a guy review... Well, it, it was his first... It was on YouTube. He was recording his audio first time watching all the screen films. Yeah. And oh, my God. That came up on my YouTube. And it, the guy who sat in a van. He sat in a van yeah. recording it. And it kind of made me... Because you do start to... When you watch a film so often, as much as we watch like the Screams and Halloweens and probably the Conjurings and stuff like that, because yeah. I do rewatch them quite often, you kind of lose, not lose, but you forget how it first made you feel. And mm-hmm. like listening to this guy's reactions to the first time he's watched them, gets a bit nostalgic. Yeah, yeah you, you kind of have a, you have appreciation for scenes because once you've watched the same scene twenty times, it does lose its like. Um, impact not in a bad way not yeah. because, not any discredit to the scene but just because you've watched it so many times i've gotten uh, really into it at the minute i've been watching over the past few days and this isn't like this is not a shameless plug because i've never spoken to him and he's got about two billion more subscribers than we ever will but uh, it's called history horror or horror history and it goes through like the timeline yeah of what, different I it. he's incredible yeah, like yeah, i watched, I watched hereditary the one, on... one. Oh, I didn't watch that. I watched Valak. I've watched, I've watched all like, of the Like, the Valak one was insane. And the Fireface Demon as well. I yeah, watched that, that one. I watched that one. That's the Fireface so one was so good. He must have to delve... Because it's... He's not really talking about the films. He's talking about... He is, but he's talking about the lore of the characters. Yeah, like, and, and it, yeah, like, I, there's I that Orbiton thing with the snake eating itself representing, yeah. like, Reboot. I was like, that's insane. Like, you don't think about how much goes into this. And whether they're just grasping at straws, but there's some symbolism where you're just like, no, they well, must well, yeah, have Yeah, whether or not what, the, what they're basing it on is true, it makes a fit like... When I had... Even though I enjoyed Hereditary, after watching the one about Hereditary, you have a bigger appreciation for it because you're like, it's not... 
it's not just, oh, this magical demon. Whether or not it's true in real life, they're still putting this backstory in this yeah, lore about characters. Yeah, it's rooted in this lore. Yeah, so it, it gives you... A, that's what separates the um, the good films from the, the not-so-good, I think, is how much depth in-depth they go to yeah, with, definitely. With, the, with the characters. Yeah, I liked it. And you know what? Even though demons and things quite irrelevant to Scream 3, it does lead me on to the concept of Roman being the killer because it's about tying things in. And See, I actually, it's one of my points. I actually really enjoy the, the Scream 3 is out of all of, the, 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 all the screams are on the base. It's a, it's a whodunit film. Yeah. It's a who is it. Whereas Scream 3, it, it felt a lot more murder mystery than the others mm. in a good way. Like I did enjoy, let, let's put it out on the table now. The reason why Scream 3 is hounded as bad as it, it, it as much as it is, is it one because it's not the the in quotations the best, but two the voice changer just puts an absolute yeah. Knife, I mean that technology is not even stomach. available yeah. today. Yeah, so we 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 all know we could we could sit on this podcast and every five minutes talk about how the stupid voice the voice changer is. is, but we accept that it's in there. We accept it's stupid. We accept it's a mistake. So you, you, I'm I'm trying to be, I, I've tried to go about the review in the sense of. We all know that was a mistake. Yeah. It's not up for a debate. It's not an opinion. It, no. they, they'll know themselves that was a mistake yeah. putting that device in there. So let's get past that and let's try and f- focus on the rest of the film. The things, let, let's see why it's so badly rated. Yeah, I agree. And so we'll go for it from there. For, can, I, can I start off first off? First yeah. off, killing Cotton Weary was a mistake. I, I agree. wish I wish the kept... He the, should the, have been a survivor. One, one, of the, um, one of the downfalls of Scream, uh, similar to... I think Halloween tried to, like, if you'll pardon the pun, resurrect it by, in, like, the new Halloween trilogy, the, the brought back old characters from, from the original films. But because it had been so long, um, and they'd been it, it, the, the the new Halloween was set so far in the future, you didn't really have an attachment to the characters. It was just kind of a little nod, like, oh, nice, they're in there. Um, but Scream, other than Dwight, Gale, and uh, Dewey, there was no other real characters that have survived the length of the film. Who's so. Dwight? Not Dwight. I've been watching a lot of Office recently. I was really... I was like, am I missing Sydney, a Sydney, Gale and Dewey. Did I say Dwight? Dwight. Yeah, that, I've been watching a lot of The Office recently. Uh, so Sid, Dewey and Gale, they're, they're the ones who have... They're the main three, but there's no other background characters that no, kind of have been around. In. And I feel like Cotton had just enough, but not too much to the point where it's a big deal. He's not a main character. Yeah. But it, it'd just be nice to have someone else from the originals in there. And I, I mean, think Cotton would have been perfect. They did it right with they did it right with Scream because obviously Cotton survived because he was in prison for murdering Marine Prescott when he didn't. But in Scream 2, they gave him quite a substance. And at the end of the day, he was the one that killed the killer. Yeah. I, I always thought it would have been a really good way for Cotton to go is even in Scream 4, X amount of years later, if he was the one who took a knife for Sid, like, yeah. Sidney was about to get it from Ghostface and Cotton steps in the way, takes takes a knife, dies. Because that, that would have added so much more depth to Sidney's character because she's now got to live with the guy who she locked away and accused of killing her, her mother. Saved her life, her, yeah, literally yeah. gave up his life for her. Well, this I, feel, was... I just feel like they could have done a lot more with his character than just kill him off in the opening, which I know they like to make statements in the opening kill. Well, this was but... one of my questions, so I'm going to ask it now before we actually get into it, into it. What part of the Scream franchise do you think impacted Sydney the most? I said Derek in Scream mm. 2. I think that really, that really affected her because at the end of the day... Right up until his final moment, she thought he was 
the killer. Yeah. And she didn't believe him. And that resulted in his death when he'd actually just been a good guy all along. And I, I think I think that really played into it. See, I, th- I feel like the most obvious one would be Billy because she lost her virginity to yeah. him after having such big trust issues. After... Because she thought he was, then he wasn't, and it turned out yeah. he was after she'd already slept with him, so she'd have felt used. Bearing in mind the whole thing around her mother was sexually based about mm. a, a being a quotation slag yeah. and all this type of stuff. Um, but you're right, Derek definitely would have been a big one in terms of guilt, and I also mm. think killing her half brother would have would have fucked her mentally. Because you like like at the end of this film when she's holding hands with oh, Roman, you can see it. It, it that's hurts her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the all three are good ones. Yeah. You, you could argue that the four and five maybe not so much. I think she's. I mean, it was very. It was very much known that Jill was distant family, yeah, so I feel like it, that betrayal yeah, was not. It wasn't. It wasn't the uh, the end of the world. No, Scream Four. But, I, although I do really. And Scream enjoy Five. That she was a legacy character. She was brought in then out. She was really, a cameo. Yeah. Let, let's be honest, which is fine. But yeah. Okay. Right. Let's get into it then. So Cotton Weary. He's in LA now, he's got his own talk show. The fact it's called 100% Cotton, I was like, the producers, when they thought of that, were like, yeah, They thought of that since Screen 1, they've been waiting to put that in a they, script. Exactly, they? Kevin yeah. Williamson was like, we're having it in, we're having it in. I mean, to be fair, Kevin Williamson didn't write the script. Majority was Ethan Kruger, yeah. wasn't it? So, yeah, they yeah, they had it in there. And we've talked about the voice changes, so this woman rings Cotton, and he's quite flirty with her, and I was a bit like... Mm, Got a girlfriend, yeah. okay. And the voice technology changes, so it's the ghost face voice again, and basically tells him that he's in the house with Christine. About the voice changer, I do understand the logic because it, it the the whole point of Randy was uh, that trilogy thing is about to say forget everything you know, like, and it's mm. kind of like. It may, I think they, they tried to, to the, the, the yeah, they tried to go with like this ghost face is is a different level to the others, and also I think with them not having two killers, they had to have something in there that would give ghost face the edge because mm. when there's two of you, you're always outnumbering your victims. Yeah. Uh, you can always be one step ahead, hence why they're always disappearing or appearing where they shouldn't appear. Mm. So I think in this, I, it, I think it's just. It was really poor planning. It, yeah. it, it, at the time, what 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 year was this film released? Two thousands. Yeah. So technology was kind of on the rise, and because in the film it's the start, there's text and stuff. So it maybe in the future this yeah, could yeah. Happen. I think that's what the thought that maybe thought oh this isn't out of the realms of possibility. But obviously, the more advanced technology gets, the more you realize some stuff it really is. And it just didn't age yeah, well. Yeah, it, it just exactly it didn't age well. But. This this interested me. So when Christine's in the shower, it sort of cuts to the house, and they make a massive deal about the phone line being cut. Like it zooms yeah. in on this phone line, and it's like because nothing ever happens with a phone. No, so I really didn't grasp what was going on. I there. think it's just to show he's in the house. Ghost yeah, is in the house. Yeah, I suppose so. So Christine comes out the shower. She's getting dressed. Cotton, or who we think is Cotton, yeah. uh, comes in and he's talking to her. And she says, like, okay, Cotton, you know I don't like your stab games, which really creeped me out because I was like, does he does he put the mask on? Yeah. Like, is that, that's weird. Like, surely that that's a lot. But on, on the TV with Cotton as well, when Cotton gets in, I like this. They've still got a little bit of meta in there. It's still yeah. thingy because Cotton's talking about road rage in LA and he's literally just absolutely cut yeah. up half of LA traffic to get into it. But 
you've got Cotton and Christine's death, basically. So Cotton comes in, Christine's armed with a golf club because she thinks that Cotton's, Cotton's trying to say, kill her. Yeah. yeah, and Cotton comes in and is like, you know, I've only just got in, what are you talking about? She, he, well, he sees Ghostface behind her, tries to, like, grab her, and she swings a golf bat, hit, golf bat, brilliant. <laughs> I play golf. Golf club, swings it, smacks him, he's sort of rendered helpless, and she gets killed basically i don't dislike this opening i don't think it's a bad opening it's not the best by far but it's it's not bad it's better than scream falls i don't like scream falls i don't it's too meta it's it's like oh i I think the idea was that went too meta to like be ironically too meta but there is a limit whereas it it was a strong opening and it, it is it is um the voice changer is exciting in the sense where you never really know but it, because it's just so out of the realms of possibility. Yeah, it, it, it throws it a bit. Yeah. But the interesting thing about that is Ghostface says on the voice changer, is like, you should have just told me where Sydney was. Yeah, so he's, he's actively he's, hunting for so, Sydney. And technically, does that not mean then that Cotton did sort of take a bullet for Sid? Metaphorically, if he didn't tell anybody where she was hiding. Yes, it, it does. But a, a part of me... Like, like I was, it's, not, it's later on in my notes, but a part of me was Sid's dad goes to visit Sydney, mm-hmm. magically only, reappears. Yeah, only, the only, yeah, only for a very brief moment in the film. Yeah, and he's is saying, "Why don't you come home?" Yeah, so he must still be in Woodsboro. Why yeah. would Ghostface not go for a dad? Because if I'm Ghostface, I'm thinking Sydney and Cotton. Yes, it, they've it's killed a killer together. So was Sydney and Gail. That's a really good close. point. I didn't even think why, about that. Why would he not go for Sid's dad? Because Sid's dad's definitely going to know where Sid is. Cotton Weary could easily not yeah. know. Yeah. The thing is, Sid and his dad has just been, like, he's an absent part of the film. He's just, he's been in it and then sort of disappeared. He was in Scream 1 because he was, where was he going? He was away. Yeah, he was travelling away and he was the red trip. herring, wasn't yeah. he? They all thought it was him being yeah. the killer. Scream 2 is completely absent. I mean, I know Sydney's at college, but surely these murders start happening. The first thing you're going to do is travel out and see your kid. Mm. But I think it's actually mentioned that he was away in Paris. Yeah. Scream 3, he pops back in for a brief stint. But this just is a pointless character. I mean, in Scream 4, it was in the deleted scene, so it's technically not canon. But he died of a heart attack. Really? Yeah. So he actually died, even though it was never mentioned. So actually he didn't die. But originally he was supposed to have died. No, right. So it's not even like there's like a bigger part for him to play. It's it's a weird one. But yeah, so we cut in on Sid. This is the opening to Sydney's sort of backstory. She's got the cutest dog. Yeah. Cherokee. Golden Retriever. So beautiful. And she's obviously traumatised by what's happening in Scream 1 and Scream 2. This is what I liked. The thing I really enjoyed about this story was even though Sydney arguably had a lesser part in it, like Gail and Dewey were sort of the main focus of the film, yeah. it focused on Sydney's trauma more than it did in Scream 2. I mean, she in Scream, she's literally, within the year, gotten over this whole event happening. I just don't see how you'd be able to go to college and like live a normal yeah. life within a year of that. So Scream 3 really does play on the fact that Sydney's like borderline agoraphobic. Yeah, the, Scream 3, I think, is one of Sydney's weakest films in terms of... Um, not not like performance, I mean, personality-wise. It's a film where she's given up. She's, she's decided... Yeah. I need to be on the run. I need to be on... Psychos like, like, can't kill Which what is why it's find. so euphoric at the end when 
she she's in Kincaid's office and she gets a gun and a vest. It's like, right, Sydney's back. She's not taking the shit anymore. She's not running. She's yeah. going to face a problem head on. And we learn that she's a crisis counsellor now, so she doesn't even interact with people on day-to-day life, minus her father. She hooks in on a phone line as Laura and listens basically to traumatic stories about women who are being abused by yeah. the boyfriends and are in all sorts of trouble. We then cut to Courtney Cox, Gail Weathers. Oh, the that hair. That hair. Like, it just makes... Who in their right mind... I think, actually, Dewey... I think David Arquette had something to do with it. I think he advised her to go with, like, a young Betty Davis look. But what the fuck? Don't you not take advice from David Arquette, then, do you? No, you definitely don't. But it made me crease. And she's given this lecture... Uh, I'm presuming to future journalists and things yeah. like that about why you need to be ready to go out and cut each other's throats. And this guy asks her a question and he's like, was it worth it? And the glare she gives him. Because at this moment in time from Scream 2, I mean, Scream, she when Dewey went off in the ambulance, she was reporting the news. Scream 2, there was a change in character. She went with him. Yeah. She, she left it. So you think, oh... You know, and Scream 3, we don't know what the relationship status is. Yeah. But she's she seems sort of more severe than ever. Scream 4 is the only film where Gail is actually likeable in the sense... I like her in every film, but I mean, she's married to... Do, not She's done what the what the audience wants her to yeah. do and just hunker down with Dewey and, and live a happy little life in Woodsboro. That's the only film where she, she, do, she does that. Yeah, I mean, to be fair though, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to it on Scream 4. I just, I think that's probably the most desperately unhappy we see Gail in the franchise. Yeah, I feel it, she's, it is because she, she wasn't built, she wasn't born she for that. Yeah, she, 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 she wants built to for be Woodsboro. in show business. So we get the Detective Kincaid, who is Sydney's husband now yeah. that we learn, but they don't know each other at this point. They're, he's a detective in LA and he wants Gail's help because obviously these killings have started off Cotton Weary's dead and the killer has left a photo on the script. Now this bit made me absolutely howl. So I was like, you're telling me she recognised Maureen Prescott slash Evans's photo but didn't recognise Mrs Loomis. Yeah. You're telling me that that was a thing because the young Maureen Prescott looked nothing like the old Maureen Prescott. I found that hilarious. And plus, I don't know how the detectives wouldn't have known that's Maureen Prescott. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd have thought... They're not, these aren't just knock-on-the-door officers. These are detectives. It's yeah. their job you'd, to you'd investigate. Have they're, and they're going to a local journalist. Yeah, who... the, there's been a murder on a on a stab on a stab film set or oh, it's based around well it's a it, it was to do with stab that's why they were there so all right what's stab based on the true the the true events of sydney prescott yeah. what was that based on sydney's mother's death oh is that sydney's mother? Yeah. yeah that is sydney's what mother that's when it says i killed her on the back so you'd be like oh this woman's already been dead and someone's claiming to have killed her yeah let's narrow it down yeah, a little bit it, it's a bit shoddy but yeah it is quite funny and we cut to the stab three and we meet the cast so We've got Milton, John Milton, who's the producer, and Roman Bridger, who's the director. And even though we've just talked about the shoddy police work, his, his psychic makes me piss. Yeah, there were a quite a, I think, important... There are certain things in this film which, for me, keep it above the, this is terrible line. Mm. Jennifer is one of them. So Jennifer, good. Jennifer's performance is one of them. The comedy of the detectives is another one because it's not forced, it's not cringy. He was making it's, a movie yeah, called Stab. It's, it's just sarcastic he was lines. Stabbed. Yeah. Um I think this film has some good kills. Some. 
uh, and the Rena Reynolds storyline, which I just think's it's clever. Yeah, it's very it, clever. it is clever. And very it, it, on the it nose. ties in well, considering before Scream Three there was never a brother involved. Uh, Marine's death was already, already solved. Yeah, yeah to to pluck that to, to go back to that, which is what Randy even says. You forget everything yeah. you knew about. Start the past. unpicking it and start yeah. thinking and, how and, can and we to, to make it actually make sense. I think deserves credit because I I do like the the mystery side of this film. So we'll cut to, because we've spoken about it very briefly already, Jennifer, played by Parker Posey. If there was ever anybody you would, could save that film, it was yeah. her. She was absolutely hilarious. She, uh, she pulled it out of the bag. She really did. And she plays Gail Weathers. And so when the two Gails meet, there's obvious tension. To be fair, Jennifer's quite admiring of uh, Courtney Cox. Yeah. And she says... You know, I, I don't even mind that you didn't message me back or anything like that. But then Dewey turns up and it turns out that Dewey's sort of been giving Jennifer hints about what Gail's yeah. like and un interpreting and understanding a character. But him and Jennifer are very close. They're not they're not in a relationship though. Yeah. Which is something that you I feel, you thought feel like was a Dewey, younger... You feel like Dewey's a simp. He's just... Yeah. He's... Pushover. Yeah, he's just... And Jennifer's just not using him. I don't... She's not that that deep, the character... But she, 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 Dewey's just handy to have, a hat, have around and uh, you feel like Dewey now is not a sheriff. He's kind of lost the purpose yeah. of being on a Hollywood film set because he, he was one of the originals to, to go through Have it. you noticed as well that David Arquette loses and regains his limp several times in this film? I didn't notice it, but like, it He loses me. it and then it's back and then he loses again. I was like, do you remember, you know, Christmas Vacation? You know where the kid got hit by the... Couldn't tell you. He got hit by the film. horse and she was cross-eyed and then it's so, it set her back again. I was like, is that no. what they did when in Scream 2 when Mickey stabbed Dewey? Did it reset <laughs> his nerve or something? But... We cut back to Sid and we see that her dad's there and she showed... This is the first time as well we see Sydney show frustration at Marine. And I do think that this film does a really good job of portraying post-traumatic stress disorder and like genuine trauma. Because she says if she hadn't, if she wasn't. And it's sort of Sydney pushing the blame onto Marine there and sort of saying, if she'd have not done this, this never would have happened. Yeah. This never would have been what it is. And she refuses to come home because, and I quote, psychos can't kill what they can't find. can't find. And it cuts then to the evening and Sydney's laid asleep on the sofa. Now this is my scariest scene in the entire Scream franchise. And I don't know why, it just gets to me. And even now, at the age of 28 years old... I have to look away because I can't watch it. It really creeps me out. So it zooms in, it pans in on the face of Maureen in the picture that we saw from Scream 1 of her of Sydney and Maureen Prescott. And we see the ghost of Maureen visiting Sydney and like banging on the windows and she's like, Sid? Yeah, see, I'm against this. I don't like oh, it. Oh, this creeps me out. Because it's Sydney's trauma. Like, obviously we know it's not Maureen. It's genuinely... It, it it is, but what what I what I rate about um, the screams is the fact that it's a lot of horror films have the clicheing of uh, flashbacks or um, hallucinations and stuff like that, and I like that Scream avoids that. It's what you see, what you're seeing is real, and when the, I I could probably tolerate it more if Roman didn't walk out at the end. At the revealing in in the, in the, the gown because yeah. it's a hallucination when she's at a house. It's I think it's a hallucination when she gets onto the film set 
and is it's in her bed her old bedroom when mm. her mum's doing it. So the fact that Roman wears it at the end kind of makes a link between reality and the hallucination. Yeah, no, which, I get that. Which I don't like. It should have either stayed as a hallucination or it should have been Roman the whole time. But it the the thing it was it's not I think to be fair when it comes to this scene it's the handprints on the windows and the squeaking of the blood is Oh geez, yeah, don't get it me wrong really, it's, it, it's eerie. It's yeah, a, it's a well shot scene it and it really is scary. But me. I just don't like it with the continuity of the film cuz only because Roman comes out in the end where Yeah, it? no I agree with that and I also love the fact that it it's not also Sid doesn't fear a mother. We learn that Sydney's fear stems from becoming a because yeah. she says everything you touch Sid dies you're poison you're just like me Yeah, and that that's a real fear for her and you know you can imagine after two sets of serial killers I mean technically she got um, a mother was killed so that's one brutal murder a brutal incident then the events of Scream 1 then the events of Scream 2 it it really just she must feel like the pariah. She must feel like the angel of death. I mean, well, Olivia yeah. calls her it in Scream 4. Yeah. And it must be really a, a really upsetting thing for her. And it does really highlight what post-traumatic stress disorder does. So we cut back to the film set and we get Sarah's death scene. Now, she plays the opening character. She's not particularly memorable. But something quite poignant to mention is she breaks the award that... Roman gets yeah. and I'm in that comes back to play quite hilariously yeah. later so I do want to mention that and so I think Sarah's death serves the purpose of telling us that there's several different scripts and that it's being constantly rewritten yeah. and obviously that's a little bit of a poke at yeah. the actual yeah, thing as well because they had to do when releasing they, yeah screams, they were leaking Scream 2 and Scream 3 they had to make fake scripts yeah. so that the real one didn't get they, out they kept getting leaked didn't they and pretty much she gets. She ends up being locked in because she hides because she gets a phone call because Roman's on the phone and then we learn it's not actually Roman yeah. but it's Ghostface but it is actually Roman because Roman is Ghostface which is very clever. It's a nice little red herring. I, I, I do like the killer as well. The uh, you've got the rubber knife, which was a question that I asked yeah. you for our midweek last week. Said does your character wield a rubber oh, knife? Oh yeah. And I like the Ghostface costumes. Yeah, and, he and just steps out of the it. Drop out. It's. It's a, it's an intense scene, but the thing is with the kills in this film, and I don't know if that's because Scream 4 and 5, the, the kills are the best in Scream 4 and 5. You, you can argue they're not the better films, which is true, but the, kill, the kills, because you can get away with more, like films seem to be pushing the boundaries. More I have with, got something about that on behind the scenes. I, 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 think, I think films have gone up, horror became popular when it first came out, when it was good kills and stuff like that, you got to see a bit more. Then when horror wanted to bust into the mainstream to make the films better rate, well, more accessible ratings for mm. audiences, they, they to took them away. Down. And I feel like now horror's realised that the real horror fans are ones that actually make us the money and fund us for sequels and stuff. They don't want to see off-screen deaths and stuff. And I feel like this film's kind of in the in the realm of off-screen deaths. Not not off-screen, but you don't see Yeah, much. there's not a lot there. Um, but the, the, the kills are still good in this film because of the atmosphere and I'm like, I, I liked the kill in the studio uh, with the knife. I think it could have been done, I think it could have been longer. It could have replicated a Gale Chase scene. I feel like that was the time that they could have extended that kill. It, it did just feel very rushed. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that was what I started the point about. I think a lot of the kills, not a lot of them, but there's a few kills in this film that are just kills for the sake of getting the numbers up. Yeah. Like, is it Amanda who plays Sydney? Is no, Angelina. Angelina. I think Angelina's was one of them. Like, 
she just gets to the bottom of the stairs, screams, and then that's another, Well, she was that's supposed to be body. a killer, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she so was. We, this, maybe there was the reason why this is what I mean. It, it just seems like some some of them are wasted in the sense where it is just a quick kill. Yeah. See, see you later kind of thing. But we do learn that Sarah was the... So Cotton had a cameo. Sarah was the first death in the film. Yeah. So Cotton died first, then Sarah died. So they're going in order yeah. of the deaths in the film. But the problem is, there's several scripts, and so they don't know who's going to be killed next. Which again adds to the murder aspect yeah. of it, which I like. So Gail and Dewey are sitting in a cafe. A murder mystery aspect, yeah, I knew even. And you know, I I feel like Dewey really tries to gaslight Gail here into coming back to Woodsboro, and sort of tries to make her feel bad. She says, you know. I think it was like two months in Woodsboro feels like it's like seven yeah. years somewhere else. And she didn't want to be there. And it just, like, it, she didn't want to stay in Woodsboro. And she shouldn't have had to stay they, in Woodsboro. They both want different things. And that's where the confrontation comes from. And that, like, you can't blame Gail for that and you can't blame yeah. Dewey for that. But because they do love each other, it, it's hard for them to let go. This is where the frustration, not frustration in a bad way, but for the audience, you're like, oh, I just want them to be together and, and live and be happy. Well, I think it works well because, you know, you've got the, they've got the meeting in Scream 1 and like the budding blooms of romance, but she she really did not have any loyalties to him in Scream 1. She no. met him like once or twice. They'd gone out on a walk together before shit kicked off. Scream 2, a little bit different. They've got a bit more history. Screen three, they end up married by the end of it or getting married. And I like the continuity of that. I like that it didn't, it wasn't just they meet, there's a little bit of a fallout, they get married and they're all happily ever after. Yeah. I like the continuity the, in the Scream films that she never wanted to settle. Yeah, from, from Scream 1 to 5, the Dewey and Gale story has been... Uh, Solid. Yeah, it's never it's never been... The, it's, there's always been drama surrounding it, but it's frustration drama because you do you know that they both love each other, so they have played it well. It was never I know what you're saying. It was never happily ever after. Yeah, and then you were I think as all well. the fallout and their enemies throughout the rest of the films. The, yeah. the, the, but you can put that down to the writing and also Wes Craven from one to four is is directing skills and yeah. make, making it. It was a realistic relationship. Kind, I mean, at the end, like Dewey says, you know it'll never work and I know yeah. it'll never work. But, you know, it's sort of like the characters are star-crossed, like they're destined to be together, but the two different characters. So yeah. it doesn't quite work out. But Dewey reveals in this uh, meeting at the cafe that a woman rang who was associated with Stab 3 and she wanted Sid's file. And when it was refused, the next day, the police district was broken into and the file room had been ransacked, but Dewey had already removed the file because yeah. he knew something was wrong. Who do we think that was? I thought Angelina. It would have been Angelina, if anything. A, for purposes of if she was the killer, but B, because she played Sydney, so maybe she wanted... There's a That's one of the moments in this film, and there's a, there's a few where it... It just makes sense for there to be two killers. Yeah. And you can tell that the script was always intended to have two killers. We then get a phone call from Jennifer to Dewey. And he's like, we know we need to get back because Jennifer's like kicking off about something. We find out that Sarah died. And once again, Jennifer's just hilarious. She's standing there with a cigarette in her hands. And she's like, can you see this? I haven't had one of these in a year. Someone's going to pay for this. And then she jumps into the bodyguard. Like, she just plays <laughs> so She plays funny. a Hollywood diva, doesn't she? But she, she plays it well. And the, some of her one-liners in this film, you know what? If there was ever going to be a survivor from Scream 3, I'd yeah. love for it to be Jennifer because she was hilarious. Roman's having a bit of a breakdown on set because he feels like this 
film's gonna sh the, the murders are gonna shut down the production of his film and also you know he, he roman's like and i'm next and they're like well did the killer say anything like that led to your next and he holds up the award that Sarah yeah. broke and he's like do you not think this was a message and you know what to be fair Roman is the least suspicious in the whole film like, I don't think actively there was a time where I thought yeah it's Roman like where is he suspicious um the only time he's suspicious is when he goes down into the basement really uh because there's no yeah. there's no climax to that scene. You don't see him safe and you don't see him hurt. So you kind of think, what's going on there? But, but then you but, see him but, dead. But, yeah, dead. well, the, that is in... The, there's three reasons for me why this film lets I know, I know it's going to come. The voice changer. The, the voice changer. Breaking from reality to dreams and stuff like that. Was yeah, yeah there, was, there was another one, though, that, that's like the, the more generic why everyone disagrees with this film. There's the pulse announcing that he was dead when he's that's not. That's straight, yeah. That's, that's so stupid. There was the voice changer. And then there was another one. I can't remember the... Oh, Whoever smells the gas, that scene in general is just oh, like, boy. what are you doing? Still, it's, it, it was to, there. To people who love Scream regardless, they can release a Scream and we'll still enjoy it no matter what, really. Yeah. Whether, we might not rate it, but we'll still watch it more oh, than Oh, yeah, once. definitely. Whereas to the, we've got, you've got to kind of cater to the critics and the ones who watch it looking for things to pick at. Yeah. The three things are the voice changer, the dead pulse, and then the uh, whoever smells a guessing because it's yeah. just that fucking ridiculous it makes me feel like they're like right screen one screen two have done really well we've got a bit of a bigger budget let's put an explosion it's, yeah it seems like they've already bought it's such a big like, explosion it's so out of context for the screen films as well but yeah we'll get to it when we get to it which is fairly soon it cuts back to sydney where she's uh, doing a job as the crisis counselor again and we get i've killed someone laura and she's like, well, you need to go to the police. She's like, no, I need to speak to you. And we learn that when Sydney looks at the phone, she's forgotten to switch from home line to office line. So whoever is calling her now knows it's a home phone number and not account, yeah. uh, not the counselling phone number. Good, good moment. It was quite eerie. And, she, and he's like, do you really think it was over, Sydney? I'd love to know how he got them details, like the phone yeah. number. Yeah. Because while it wouldn't be in Sydney's file that she worked somewhere, would it? It'd just be where she is, if that. But Roman went down to the police station, didn't he? The, he did. The detectives picked him up. I didn't yeah. think about that. And Roman no, it was something his, to do. Yeah, it was something to do with do his do phone his, do his number, phone, wasn't yeah. it? But I don't remember a time where because it was only Kincaid that. The, the, used the, it. the hints were dropped in there that Dewey Dewey had the contact number. We all know Dewey's not the the smartest. Of, um, <laughs> have you got a, Have you got a number stored in your memory? Yeah. Full memory. <laughs> so he he could have Roman could have easily swiped Dewey's phone. He'd been on the set the whole time with Jennifer, and yeah. so it wouldn't take much to uh, to take the phone. No, that's a fair point. You're absolutely right there. You'd think you'd think Dewey would have the common sense, seeing as though he had the common sense to remove a file after thinking something was up to maybe say Sydney's number is Dave or something. Yeah. Um, not Sydney Prescott. But... Yeah. Sydney Prescott, please call here. Yeah. <laughs> that is literally going to be it. But the woman on the phone who's talking to Sydney at that point says you need to turn on the news. Which is a mother's voice. Which Yeah, she's like, you so this technology, voice so this you hear it. This I was kind of, I'm very much reaching at this point, but because I, I was like, hang on a minute, the, trying to push this technology bullshit that you can perfectly imitate anyone's yeah. voice is one thing. But the but perfectly imitating someone's voice who is dead, but if Roman knew about these films, could he have got the... The voices from these, because I'm guessing, I'd imagine for that technology to replicate someone's voice, you have to hear a lot of dialogue from that person's voice yeah. so that it can 
come up with the the AI voice for it. So how did they get Marines? But then I thought, oh, but she did do a lot of films. They obviously the... used a spirit board, Oliver. <sighs> that was that was the plan. They may as well have used that. <laughs> it'd have made more sense. It'd have been more believable. But we then cut back. So this is the big whoever smells the gas scene. The bodyguard is walking around the place and goes into Dewey's trailer and he gets a phone call from Dewey and he's saying, like, I'm going to take Jennifer here. Like, if you could just do this, this and this. The bodyguard reveals in his, that he's in his trailer and makes a real shitty comment about Tatum and he's, like, just making sure, like, you don't end up like your sister or something like that. He makes this comment about Tatum. Yeah. And Dewey's like, why would you say that? That makes me so angry. And yeah. then Ghostface is actually Dewey. And that's the problem with these films. When you get Ghostface on the phone, you know that somebody's fucked. But yeah. here, you don't know who's real and who's not. Yeah, the, the whole point of the Ghostface thing is that, like, when when you answer, even as the audience, when you answer that phone and you hear him, you know you basically is your brown bread. You, you're as good as dead. Yeah. So when he, when he tricks him in, like, I... I think they thought they were quite clever by doing it. Like, oh, we'll do the dialogue scenes with people that think they know. But people yeah. don't want to hear that. They want to hear Ghostface basically uh, mocking his, his next victim. Yeah. Teasing him. Yeah, definitely. And it just, it swung it round a bit. Because, you you know, whenever everybody's on the phone, you're like, well, is it that person on the phone? Yeah. And it, it takes you out of what Scream is. But we do learn that the photo on the scene and things like that. And because Dewey's comparing a picture of Marine to a picture of Jennifer in the set and it turns out that Maureen was an actress and so mm. they've got that little bit more but then but again this this is me nitpicking and it's only because I normally wouldn't pick up on stuff like this unless I was watching a film purely to review a podcast because obviously you're looking for talking points so Jennifer and Maureen's photos are taken identical yeah. to the exact place they stood and if this is Roman behind it all, which it must have been because he was the only killer, Roman must have specifically asked for a picture of Jennifer in that location. So would Jennifer... Because you'd put two and two together and be like, Jennifer me, Jennifer and Maureen were some in the same places. Who asked to take that photo? Mm. Oh, Roman specifically asked to take yeah, it. Like, do you know what I mean? I, it's, and again, this is, this is not why the film's spoken about how it is. But I'm just nitpicking it. Oh, no, the, I get it. That's, that's, a, that's a fair point. But the lights go out, everybody's freaking out, they run outside, they run inside, they run outside again, and a fax starts going off. And this makes me piss, because to like for something to be faxed, you need to have a fax machine. So I, just, I can yeah, just, I just imagine go, go, Ghostface next it, door, like. Ghostface in the spare bedroom on a tight yeah, like. going, he's like, he's like smelling, he's like, shit, the gas <laughs> Because we're, really we're, we're in the days where he won't, I won't be sat in the garden and on the porch with Wi-Fi. He'd probably need to be in there on yeah, the fax machine. Yeah, like, dial up, like, boop, boop, boop. He can smell the gas. He's like, fuck, whoever smelled the gas. Just and then, you know, straight out. I'm out. But, yeah, they're I, all... I can imagine doing the scary movie. I'm like, down like, the <laughs> Oh, that's funny. But, yeah, he's... He... It, yeah, pretty much that's all you have to say. The, the script's the, being the, faxed that through. That scene is goofy. That, yeah. That's a way to describe but it. It's, they, it was a big explosion scene. You know, that no doubt was going to be... I haven't seen the Scream 3 trailer, but I have no doubt that the explosion yeah. would have been part of the screen. It's just like, to oh make it look bigger, better, like, yeah. more action, and that, it, that kind of thing. It just it didn't sit right. If, if they took the fax machine out of it, it would have made a bit more sense. But yeah. They had to if, get... they'd, if they'd been like a script left on the table or something yeah. like that and Scream... Jennifer was like, that's not mine. Yeah, Scream, Scream doesn't do 
uh, multi-kills. It does an individual character on their own. So they have to try and figure out a way, right, how can we make a huge explosion but only one person yeah. die from it? And they came up with that. Like, but... just the thought of him going to, like, like Roman going to a printing shop and being like, right, I need you to precisely start faxing this through at 6.03pm, if you wouldn't mind. It just, it just goes to show that the technology was that... So they've put a, a voice changer in, right? And, yeah. And this voice changer can imitate anyone's Li- voice, dead or alive. Alive or dead, yeah. Perfectly. But phone torches haven't been invented yet. <laughs> this, this, this is what I mean. You can, they're still when, faxing. Yeah, when you put it like that, when they're still sending faxes, but you can imitate a dead person's voice perfectly, any word you want. It's, yeah. it's it is funny. Comical. But the, basically, Tom goes back in because they're trying to work. She's like, well, who's next? Because it's yeah. saying, like, reveals who's going to be killed next. Tom ends up going back in. He can't see, so instead of like going back outside, he's like, "I oh, know, I'll just pick up a fucking lighter yeah. and thing it." And it's like, whoever ne- smells ne- the never, gas. Never once in my life have I thought, "Oh, I can't see properly. Let me spark my lighter up." Yeah, it just, it's just not. I know it's Hollywood. That's what they do. Like they use and lighters he, and shit. He quite like literally that. lights up the whole house, and he uh, he gets killed, and it sends everybody else flying down the hill. Now, Gail ends up next to a car and Dewey's a little bit further up. Now Dewey has magically improved his aim since Scream yeah, 1 and 2. Yeah, that's on my notes. Big up Dewey for yeah. his accuracy. But then he loses it again in Scream 4. Yeah, so he, you know, he shoots and gets the killer, like gets Ghostface a few times because he tries to attack Gale. And this, this is a shame, right? Because I, the thing I liked about Randy's death in Scream 2 was it's broad daylight there's people walking the dogs, going on runs. Yeah. Ghostface can be anywhere at any time. And they, they do it again in this film. Fucking hell, he's, he's stood behind the car downstairs. Yeah. How would he have predicted that you're even going to come down there? But how did he send the fucking facts from down that, there? I was going to say, that's just because he got out of the car after he'd been to the photocopy. Yeah, machine. it's just, it's just <laughs> like, what he was just knack- That was like, his car. But it was, yeah, it was very funny. And but... he's there filling up his fucking washing yeah. <laughs> Sees him rolling down there. He's like, fuck, oh, fuck, 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 but it, yeah, it he uh, he gets shot a few times in, but it obviously doesn't kill him because he rolls under the car and then mysteriously disappears. And Dewey and Gail have this like moment together, and then you just hear Jennifer like walking down, like "What the hell happened yeah. to you?" And she ends up. Uh, is it? She ends up hitting. Gail slaps her, and she falls to the floor, and she's like. My lawyer, like that. She's just so extra, but because she's playing a Hollywood character, yeah. it's perfect. And, and Gail's like, not as much as I did. And uh, then Angelina pops up from nowhere. Yeah. But I, this, I didn't. They they make a really big deal out of this for the fact of like it was an explosion. Like people get caught on different ends. Yeah. Like she could have ended up all the way over there, but they're all like. But was that intended to be like that before she was before she was discredited as a yeah as the killer. I'm glad she wasn't. She was such a weak character. Yeah, definitely. So, Kincaid wants Sydney in. He's like, you know, this is... We need to know more about Maureen Prescott. Who would know more about Maureen than her own daughter? It's become a police matter now. It's not... It's yeah. Inve- it's, investive, it's it's crucial information that could lead to the capture of, of the killer. So, it, it becomes a police matter now. That she, they're demanding that she comes back. Yeah. Which is strange because how... I'd feel, I feel like Sid would be under witness protection. Like, the, the police would be aware of uh, her situation. So, I don't understand. I don't think... Well, once the killers have died in Scream 2, like, I don't think she'd be under witness protection anymore. She was going yeah. into witness protection. That's what happened in the car scene, wasn't it? They said, we're going to take you somewhere I, I safe. I just don't... I, I just struggle to believe that the police would have no record of where Sid lives. But then again, mm. I know you wouldn't trust anyone at this point. But well, the still, police, police probably would, but the things that... 
things are different in America. And I was re- I was uh, watching up on this because they're in a jurisdiction. Yeah, I know jurisdictions end across counties, but when it becomes a... But they are FBI, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, no, they're not. They're LA. But, but regardless, it's... I just feel like in circumstances like that... Yeah, maybe. The, 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 like, if you committed a, a, a mass killing spree in Atlanta and then went down to Michigan... The police are going to give information. They're not going to be like, oh, no, this your jurisdiction ends. They will work together. Yeah. And Dewey and Kincaid have this, like, peacock fight. <laughs> it's where Dewey's like, is that a threat? And he's like, if, I th- if you know it's for it, it's going to yeah, be a threat. And then he sits there for a minute and is like, was that a threat? Yeah. <laughs> Classic Dewey. But they end up, uh, she, he ends up going to call Sydney. He doesn't even get the chance to, really, because it goes to answer phone and then she just turns up. She's wearing the Greek letters that yeah, Derek gave her as well. Is. That's why I was, that was where the question came up. What what impacted Sydney the most? I, I gave Shah a lecture on this. So Shah, for the listeners, uh, my, my partner isn't really into horrors. She watches them when I, when I properly insist that she watches them. I, I try and force her to watch a select few. Um, and she was watching this in the background, but then she did get quite into it. And when Sid returned, she was like, oh, like, like, that's such a stupid move. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand how the, the Sydney's character, the, there becomes a point where you're not supposed to feel sorry for her anymore. You're supposed to root for her because yeah. she's, she's not running she's not away a from her. She's not running away from her problem. She's facing them head on. So this isn't like a, what a stupid character moment. It's she's come here to solve it herself because she knows. That he the, already knows where she lives. Yeah, so there's she, no she, point she, in she, saying. She's the only one to... She now believes in her mind that the only person who can stop Ghostface killings are her herself. Yeah. So it's more of a um, it's more of a triumph, triumphant yeah, it's a, it's return. A turning point, it's not a stupid it? turn. It's triumphant. It's right. I'm here to to get shit done. Yeah. We're going to kill him, kind of thing. And that we've uh, already spoken about Gail and Dewey's relationship, but what I also really like is Gail and Sydney's relationship throughout the Scream franchise because. I think Scream 5 really is the only time that you see him as friends. Yeah. So one, she hated her because Gail pretty much said that Sydney's alibi of Cotton was bullshit. Yeah. Scream 2, not a fan because she threw Cotton into yeah, the mix. Yeah, the, the, the hug they have is even awkward. You yeah, can tell, she's you like... Can tell Sid- they're, yeah, they're like... They don't really know where hug. to stand with each Cause, other. Because they know they've been through a lot, but there's still bad blood there. It, there is still all the stuff they've been through regardless of the ghost face killings. Like... Fault, they're, like, never, they're not friends at this y- point. Yeah, yeah. Even though Gail st- saved an innocent man's life. Yeah, like, Sid, and Gail saved Sydney's life. Yeah, I do like the fact that... I do like that Sid... This is why I think she's such a strong final girl character because there's moments in the film where she's quite light-hearted and it makes you think, oh, after all this time, she can still crack jokes when she's like, oh, the killer called mm-hmm. me at home. Like, how do you want to die? <laughs> hey, how are you? How do you want to die? Like, just stuff like that, having a good sense of humour about it. Yeah, and they and, and she takes the initiative to sort of say, I want to see where this photo was taken. Yeah. And so that takes them to Sunrise Studios. Now, this bit, and I, I know you love Randy, but I just think this was, this the way that this was brought in was so stupid. So we, we meet Martha Meeks, who's Randy's sister. Who lets a 17-year-old go off to LA by herself? They didn't know she was there. And she just pops out at the complete random moment Dewey and Sid are standing outside a trailer. I was like, that was another bugbear for me. I was like, oh. But it does bring you into Jamie Kennedy being able to revive his character as Randy yeah, from the it, dead. Yeah, it was, it, like, like you said, the way they introduced it was probably not the best. They didn't even need to have... 
They didn't um, need to have Ram- uh, Martha uh, yeah, in it. It the, could the, have been cl- sent in a package. Yeah, just, just a, a, a package from Martha, yeah. in brackets, Randy's sister or something. Or and that would have settled do, do, it. Yeah, do it could be, oh, I, I received a fax from uh, from Randy's sister. Fax. It? <laughs> Those faxes coming yeah, out again. Yeah, she sent over this video and then they all watch it together. They, you are right. They didn't need, Martha yeah. didn't really need to be there. And, you know, people, I think I saw this argument on one of the screen pages that I'm on. And they were like, yeah, but, you know, it sets up Martha for screen... Five and I was like, "Do you really think that they had Scream Five in mind? Yeah, like, do you really didn't. think that the that Scream was, three a was thing? maybe the end of the trilogy? Yeah, and it it just didn't make it was just another thing that didn't really link to anything. But Randy's video is I the thing I I did like about it because even though it's nonsensical, I liked it. So I love how he talks to like Dewey's there. And he's like, I shouldn't have lost my virginity to Karen Thriller. And he's like, Karen Thriller? Yes, Karen Thriller. And I do like how it work, he works that out. But he says, if this is another sequel, same rules apply. However, if you're looking, if, if this has happened, this has happened, this has happened, you're looking at a concluding chapter and this is the trilogy. So the trilogy rules are the killer is superhuman. You basically have to cryogenically freeze his head for him to be killed. Anyone can die including the main character, that means you, Sid, sorry. And also, it's um, the past comes back to bite you in the arse. Yeah. Like, whatever you think you know about the past, forget it. Which foreshadows the whole ending. Oh, yeah. And I just want to say now that I, the, the ending, for me, is one of the best endings in any Yeah, screen. I agree. Because you, you just didn't know it was coming. Yeah, and, and the, even the fight scene in there, we'll, we'll get to oh, that when we get to it. I think that's probably the, my favourite fight scene in the yeah. whole franchise. So Gail ends up wandering off after this whole thing's been discovered and she's like, I'm, I want to see if we can find any records or files about Rena, Marine Prescott. And she ends up with Jennifer. <laughs> like, Gail's trying to get in the door and she's like, Gail Weathers would find a way. Yeah. And just, like, presses she's, the she's, key she's card out, she's already she's got. She's Gail and Gail Weathers. She is. And I love the fact... It, it's little things like, even when they're walking down the stairs together, like... Uh, Jennifer starts taking a bit of a lead and like Gail rushes up yeah. and gets in front of her. It's so funny. But then there's the big Carrie Fisher bit. Now, I've explained this to you before, but I don't A, think you'll remember or B, think you really took much notice when I told you the first time. So do you know the whole Carrie Fisher bit? Right, Carrie Fisher is the... She plays someone in Star Wars. Yeah, she's Princess she? Leia. Yeah. She was like the, one of the most famous characters in Star Wars franchise. And uh, Gail says to her, you look awfully like, and she pauses, and it's supposed to be Carrie Fisher, and she's like, yeah, but who got the part of Princess Leia, the one that slept with George Lucas? Now, that is Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Like, Carrie Fisher's playing herself, yeah, yeah, and, no, like, essentially. And so it's a little bit there about what it looks like. And it's, I think, if anything, it's added, it's like, again, it's foreshadowing the the brutality of Hollywood, where it is you sleep to get your roles. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of, Even though it's a light-hearted, ironic way to do it, they are planting a seed of, yeah. if you want to get somewhere in Hollywood. It's, it's already not, it's not about It's not about just your talent, it's about putting yourself out there. And so Gail's like, you know, we need, fa- we're working with the police, I'm working I'm working for something or other, and she's like, uh, and she's like, would you work for the president and it's $50? Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer's like, what are you, a reporter from Woodsboro High? Terrorism for it. <laughs> But she does get the results and they take her down. They they go to the filing system and she's like, I've got a thing for the, un- I've got a passion for the unknown actor or something like that. And I'm sorry, but out of all the files in there, she's like, if you want Maureen Prescott or Maureen Evans, you're not going to find her. Rena Reynolds, however, yeah. you will find. And magically she knows this file and like the pictures and stuff like that. I was like, that's such bullshit. 
and it was a stage name, so she was obviously Maureen Evans at that time. Now, Milton was linked as a producer for the movies that Maureen was starred in, but yeah. was Rena at the time, and so we see a link there. And then it cuts to the bathroom scene with Sid, and so Sid's in the bathroom, it's very reminiscent of the original Scream, where she's in the bathroom and washing her hands, and she is something in the bathroom, and she, instead of like, sneaking under the door this time sydney boots it open and everything comes flying out of angelina's hands so and she gets got... she gets let off the hook way too easily. oh yeah she's sitting she's got a ghost face mask yeah she's got all sorts of props from the film and she basically goes on this massive rush of oh my god i was supposed to play you uh, i would have done amazing blah, blah blah i wanted to make you proud and yeah. sydney's really gracious about it to be fair she's like i'm sure i'm sure you would have and she just rushes off Sydney, I think it's a hairbrush, is it? Sydney finds. Yeah, something. And like she goes that, to yeah. chase after her, and it takes her into the set of Woodsboro, which is a dead-on yeah, likeness yeah. It's, it's, for the whole it's, thing. It really is a clever way of making bringing Woodsboro into the into LA. Really, they did they did do a good job of that. Yeah, and so this is something I wanted to discuss. Actually, this was a very important point. So you get the whole bit where Sydney's walking through the house. I presume that was Marine's death. Yes, it was, yeah. Right. It, because Sydney's house was never a big part of Scream. There was that one chasing in there, but it was Stu's house. Stu's house was the, yeah. the, the, the ultimate like the ultimate final scene. But you've got like Sydney's bedroom and things like that. She sits in there because she re- reminisces with Billy. She's like, would you settle for a PG-13 yeah. relationship? She says it. And then she goes into Marine's room and there's the bloody sheet, like there's blood spattered all over the wall, stuff like that. Right. In Scream 1, she wasn't killed in the house. It said she was butchered and f- and paraded around Town Square. So she was found in the Town Square. But in Scream 3, logic, she was found murdered yeah. in the house. Did Sydney find her? Like, where does that come from? Because Sydney's, Sydney testifies she saw Cotton leaving wearing the same coat that they found blood on the jacket on. But in Scream 1, it was said she was butchered and then paraded around. Do you know what we need? A horror history timeline of Marine Prescott. There we go. That would be a better send it through because there is quite a lot of law behind her. What what happened to her? Yeah, it just really threw me because I was like, well, I can like if Sydney found her. A, how can you still live in that house originally in Scream One anyway? Yeah. But B, she was she was found in Town Square. So was she murdered in the house or was she murdered outside the house? And that settles a lot for Billy and Stu as well because. Who paraded her around yeah. Town Square? Like it, it just really threw it out of the mix. I didn't, I didn't know whether I'd got some. I don't know whether she'd been killed in the house, but the body bag would have never been there. No, it's it, it's a continuity error in it. This this film is not perfect. That's a problem. It's a cult classic. I'd say now. Yeah, there are there are definitely flaws to it. But there's a big chase scene within the house and Ghostface basically just. The, terrorize the, the, her. This is probably the most evident part in the film where there has to, logically has to be a second killer. Yeah. For Ghostface to have been in that ward, that that cupboard, there has to have been a second yeah. killer. Go, Scream always plays. It, the, it's clever because, for we'll revert back to Halloween, shock horror. Halloween, Michael does stuff that's unhuman. Like you just can't. A human could understand. Yeah, it's not it. possible. And the film accepts that, and it's just like, yeah. Guilty as charged. We don't know if he's human or not. Whereas Scream, it's always like you, you, you kind of like, how did they get there? How did they get here? But there's always, even the horror channel 
uh, I'm sure you've watched where he does like uh, who killed who in Scream One yeah, too. Yeah. So the, the, there's always Zach, a lot, there's it's all, Zach Cherry. Yeah, yeah, there's always the the even when someone who's a, a massive fan and wants to know every detail, even they even if it's not how Wes designed it, but it looks like he did by them videos, mm. great videos. There's always logistically a way where it could have happened, and that's normally by having a second killer. Yeah. Whereas this one, there's only one killer. That chasing just happened. But it, it, there must have been a second killer. The only thing you can sort of, and it, you can't even say you excuse it for that because the, I completely agree there had to be a second killer. But Roman would have known the set inside out, whereas Sydney wouldn't. Yeah, so he's he, got that advantage. But even then, there needed quick, to be. What, wouldn't be quick enough. what made me laugh through it, and it's the first time I've ever seen it, and I've, I've never noticed it. And I was listening to a podcast called Dead and Bored, and they've done all the screams, and honestly, they are so funny. But I was I was listening to the Scream Three one, and there's, in the scene, in this chase scene, when they end up at the front table where there's all the food and stuff, Sydney just randomly like launches a bowl of crisps at it yeah, yeah. for I, no I, reason I, 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 and I was pissing I, I, I myself I was like she just launches these crisps at him but it was very funny however it does more than enough to trigger Sydney's PTSD again because she's got all the memories coming back and how Sydney did, did not die from that fall yeah. I'll never know and plus I don't even know why but I, I always love the bit where she pulls Ghostface out and he, he comes yeah from, from the, the door because it, it's rare that you see someone attack Ghostface it's more out of defence running away so it's good to see a bit of yeah. it's cat and mouse it's it's not just I'm running away it's I'm, I'm going to outsmart you yeah it is good and then we see Jennifer and Gail go to John Milton. Now, this one's the one that's going to open up the can of worms, isn't it? So we get that John Milton was the producer of all these films. Jennifer is very, very quick to point the gun and she's like, you're obsessed with her and you're obsessed with her daughter. She gets too detective-like, doesn't she? And it's just Gail's response where she's like, easy there, her old daughter. Yeah. And, but... Yeah, it, right, this is the one that's going to open the can of worms. I don't understand. In fact, actually, I do understand because he was so conceited and such a pig that actually I can completely get it. Harvey Weinstein would have watched that film as the producer yeah. for Scream 3. It's exactly what he did. The thing is, when, when you're a sick bastard, uh, whether it be um, abusive to like the opposite sex or a serial killer or you see in all the screen films and in a lot of slasher films that, that people who can get away with stuff that you're not supposed to do they like to brag about it mm. they like the kind of well look want... at Stu and Billy in yeah, the fountain yeah, yeah exactly and, and Scream 4 Jill they record the kills like mm. people who are getting away with stuff they want people to know they're clever to get away with stuff so Harvey Weinstein was probably sat there like smug as out thinking I'm, I'm hiding in plain clue. sight and I'm too powerful. No yeah. one can stop me. So with, with sick fucks like that, it, it, it can feed into their ego. The thing is, because Scream is so meta, you you sort of get used to picking up Easter eggs and things like that and things that, you know, you'd think, oh, right, oh, that's quite funny. Yeah. That's quite amusing. But the fact that this, this meta scene was hiding in such plain sight... Yeah. And I do, I think it was Wes Craven's message from Beyond the Grave. I feel like that, I feel it was put in there deliberately. I think he wanted everyone to know what was going on. But, but the, you can't physically say but it. But the thing is, right, let's let's get deep for a minute, irrelevant to horror films, is we know that there's absolute monstrosities in the world, but we don't do anything about it. No. Like, 
we knew before Scream 3 how Hollywood works, how girls are, mat- well, actors, main, predominantly girls, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, it is predominantly women. They are um, treated, like, used and abused for them to get roles in films. Like, mm-hmm. it's, n- it's not to do with the talent, it's are they going to sleep around, are they going to let people take advantage of them? And we know that exists in Hollywood. We know there's probably some massive A-list actors out there now who know some incredibly dark things. And and that's why Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes was so iconic, because he called them out. And we're all laughing because we're like, ha-ha, that's so true. But nothing's going to change, is it really? Because the powerful are the powerful. They're the ones who they influence decisions and make, make choices. Well, that's I can't remember which... I think it was Rose McGowan that said it. Like, everybody knew. It's like everybody in Hollywood it, yeah, knew what it, Harvey it's, Weinstein it's, was. It's like Jeffrey Epstein. No, he didn't kill himself. I, th- I mm. think. I think. I think even like the, the the upper the upper the hierarchy know that we know that, but they probably also think, well, what are you gonna do? Like, yeah, because you can't do anything. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. So it, again, it's like fair play for highlighting the comment and it is in plain sight but we already knew that that's how things worked it's it's just very clever looking back at it now because you didn't like i i wouldn't have watched that film bearing in mind i probably watched it about 10 11 years old anyway so you know my i would have never made put two and two together but now with the whole me too movement coming out and when we learn about what weinstein especially did the fact that he was a producer on that film would have had to watch that film and give it the green light see it go and then it still remains so hidden from public knowledge that Weinstein specifically was the one doing it for so many years and then it all came pouring out when a a few actresses sort of stood up and said something then it turned into this whole thing of well no actually it was me too yeah like he did this to me as well and I just think looking back on Scream 3 now it's probably one of the most harrowing messages in the whole franchise like it's really definitely it's really upsetting and what really hits home as well is how much Maureen Prescott is blamed and how much she's villainized in this franchise. Like, Billy and Stu do it, your mother was no Sharon Stone, she was a slut, she was this, she was that. See, I, I think this film tries to... Tries to... Vindicate her a little yes, bit. Yes, because it's... Okay, so maybe she did sleep around and blah, 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 but it sounds like what happened to her at Hollywood was so brutal Mr. that would scar someone for life. It would make them lose respect for the body, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. But I, I just feel like... Even Roman, the way he spoke about her, it's it's still... I feel like Roman villainised Marine more than he villainised Milton. Yeah, he did, for sure. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Milton got his throat slit yeah, for but, it later on, but... But, but the, the whole thing was... The, the, the first kill, the whole Roman's first kill was killing Marine. Yeah, it, you you are right, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I just I, I I agree. I feel like they did try and vindicate her slightly in this film, but even Sydney just... in the film saying, "Oh, if it weren't for her, none yeah, of this, this would have happened." Fault. Yeah, yeah, so even her own daughter's turning point, against pointing her. the finger. Yeah, and and in Sydney's dream, because you've got to remember that Marine again when she was at the window was Sydney's imagination. It was your poison, you're just yeah. like me. And so she's implying Marine is poison yeah. just by like how she doesn't want to be viewed herself. But yeah, I, I just think it's so, it's probably one of the most clever things in screen. Yeah, it is good. Miller's it's, 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 a, it's a deeper and, message. And the connection. It goes past the, the cinema screen. It's yeah. kind of like, a, this is how things are. Definitely. So after this, you get this like weird, flirty, creepy chemistry between. 
Kincaid and Sydney. Now, as a... I think as a kid, I remember watching, I thought the killer was Kincaid. Because he's it obsessed. He seems out, quite yeah. obsessed with her. Like, you, she sees a file and he's got this file on her that's yeah absolutely jam-packed with details and things like that. And he's quite... He acts quite mysterious mm. when he's a he's a detective. He What's your favourite scary yeah, movie the, yeah, in life? <laughs> yeah, this, this is what I mean. It should, okay. it should be like, I'm not playing these bullshit games. I'm here to catch a killer, but he feeds into it. So it, you, you are, it is kind of like, it's a traumatised flirting. It's two people who have seen a lot of shit. Yeah. Trying to be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm more fucked up than you are. And he goes out to check something, leaving Sydney in the office. So Dewey, Gail and Jennifer get a phone call because they're on the way to the police department and it's from sydney but it's not from sydney but we don't know that yet and it's basically saying oh yeah well kincaid found something out we're going to roman's party like the most un-sydney thing the, to do the, this is this is another pet peeve for the film dewey takes a bait far too easily gail takes it far too easily jennifer's not been through many ghost faces but the reason why it pissed me off so much was because dewey i think dewey was there when roman got arrested if not it had definitely heard about it mm. And the whole point was, we have someone identifying that it was definitely you that made that phone call. It was your voice. Yeah. And then the, the trace Roman's phone, clear of calls. All right, so that person who was definitely Has Roman. Has Roman's voice. Yeah, that person who was definitely Roman turns out not to be Roman. So how did he get his voice? So now you feel like the general, the the Chinese whispers going around would be, oh, well, it, it, if it can perfect people's voices. So the fact that Dewey and Gail, who are veterans at the game by this point, they should know better than yeah. to buy that. And plus... Do it again. Do is ask if say if you rang me in that situation and was like, Ollie, I need you to come here, and I'm like, Whoa, what the fuck's going on? You're like, Oh, I'll explain later, blah blah blah. And then you hung up and was like, Right, I'll see you there, bye. I just be like, All right, call back. Well, like, I'm not ending it there. I want to fucking mm. know more. Do is just like, Oh, well, accept that then. Not, yeah, let's go let, turn around, not, not ring back. Hang on a minute, don't go there, don't do this. That's Why a really bad this? idea. Yeah, it's just like, All right, we'll take your word for it when you just hang up on me. But they end up going to Roman's party anyway. So they're at Milton's house. That's an important thing to mention. Milton's house is where the final scene is. And Roman just doesn't seem that arsed. And this is where the suspicion starts finding. It's like, oh, I hear there's like a secret film room, blah, blah, blah. And he goes off and Jennifer... This is really out of character as well for Jennifer because she does know there's something going on and there's something bigger on the case. But she's like, I'll go with you, Roman. Like... It just threw me slightly. She's the one playing this major detective. Yeah, like, and she's just anyone. like, oh, I'll yeah. go with you. But then again, Dewey and Gail do it later on when they split up and he's like, you check that I'm going to go down here. It's like, yeah, and that leads and to Gail being captured. this point, they know the killer's in the house. So Gail and Dewey are walking around and then Gail magically gets the idea to be like, oh, use, use reverse caller ID. Yeah. And the phone rings and they open it up. There's a voice changer. Which makes me think... I don't, and I don't, I Did he want I, I, to be found? Not, not just that, and I, I might be wrong here, uh, but I don't know how telecommunication lines work. But surely if a phone's untraceable, if it's a clone, it also can't be dialed back. Like, if you, if, you mm. can, if you can just dial up a number that's rang you and it goes straight through, how can you not trace that phone? I yeah, don't understand. it's traceable. Yeah. yeah, weird one. But they know now there's a voice changer that wasn't Sydney. There's ghost faces in the house. And no one's been killed yet and they don't fucking leave. Yeah, just run. The door, the door's behind them. Oh, if, if that was me... Let's go get everyone. Yeah, if that was me, right, I'd be like, well, Sid's not, obviously not here because she'd have announced it by now. Um, there's a voice changer, there's a mask. It's all, it's all here. The killer's in the house. Send every fucking squadron car you've got here. The killer is definitely yeah. in this house. And then 
film over. I know it's Hollywood and don't yeah. But the, the reason why I'm holding Scream to such high standards is because I feel like one, two... And they're usually four, so good. This is what I mean, that, that they kind of leave you with no... They don't leave you with much of the imagination. It is kind of like, no, this can happen. This is how it's happened. So I feel like bits like this, I'm just like, oh, come on. So Gail ends up going down to the basement and Jennifer's in there as well weirdly but we don't see jennifer yet she goes over to this coffin that roman had seen previously that had like this ghost corpse thing prop thing in it yeah she opens up the coffin roman's in there with blood out like hanging out of his mouth she checks his pulse why? clearly no pulse why why why, why did they why? have to check the yeah pulse? literally just don't check it like is it because uh, it must have been because they thought that they'll watch film back and i'd be surprised if that was in their first take or i don't know maybe i'd, I'd be curious to know like what with with the test audiences, I'd imagine they'd test it by getting throughout the film they'd be getting the audience to yeah. predict who they think was a killer. Was at this point in the film Roman too obvious? Had too many people put Roman, mm. and then they thought, "Shit, we need to make it look like let's, he really, let's put the yeah, pulse out. he really is dead." But even then, surely anyone with half a brain's like, "Well, that that's bullshit." Because if you no one's got a pulse, they are dead. You can't, yeah. you, can't you can't fake. You not can having slow a pulse. your heart rate down, but you cannot stop a pulse. Like, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. There's been a few murmurs on this on the screen pages, and people sort of attribute it to Gail's panicking, and you know she might not have fingered it or might not have fingered it, but they, it just didn't but need to yeah, be in yeah, there. Yeah, that's exactly. If, if that's going to be the case where it's so controversial, just don't have it in there. So Jennifer catches up with her, and she's like, "Is he dead?" And she's like, "Yeah, I think so." They start running. They meet up with Angelina. First, I believe. I also don't get Jennifer's outlook of hiding because I'm guessing, and I could be wrong, but I don't remember seeing it in the set, but again, could be wrong. Um, that That's the basement. And to me, the basement is one way up and one way down. Roman mm. went down there by himself. If Jennifer's gone down there to look on him and he's dead, the killer must have gone past her or is still in there. So why she's just behind a curtain? Also I a very good point. Know. But there's a lot of hidden doors and stuff it's yeah, like loads yeah, of secret rooms maybe yeah. she just went with that but I, I get and what you be, mean you are be, right and to be fair when Jennifer's killed ah oh, no because they are upstairs I was going to say when Jennifer's yeah, they're killed upstairs at that comes point. upstairs from somewhere but he, he is upstairs so so Angelina they're basically telling Angelina to get out they're like we need to go we need to run and she's like I did not fuck that pig Milton to die here with you second rate actors and she runs off the other way and they're, they sort of just look at each other then they hear Angelina's scream because she ends up like clashing with Ghostface who stabs her in the heart. Oh, and the sound mm. as he stabs her just makes me want to be sick. But they hear a scream, they sort of look over the banister and Angelina's laid dead and then you can just see him drag it, something dragging her. They, they scream this bit as yeah. well. Like it was very hammy very, both look very, at each other. It was, like, very, ah. it was very Scooby Dooish, like that whole scene, like you see the, the body dragged away and the scream and run away. It's just a bit strange. Yeah, it it's sort of yeah, it, it's not it don't really make much sense. But they end up going upstairs, they meet off with Dewey and also Tyson and Jennifer's like, we'll, we'll be safe if we stick together, won't we? And Dewey's like, yeah. And then, like, the same frame goes face yeah. launches in and, like, right, hooks, Dewey. That was really funny. Um, there's a big combat scene. You know, everybody's fighting him off and running or doing something or other. Tyson runs off shouting for the police. Good job. You know, he's, he's at least trying to get away. He's not, he, he knows where he's going. And the, I think this is probably one of the most brutal yeah, the rug scenes. Pull. Pulls the rug from underneath him, snaps his neck. And so 
he he's died. That's what I mean. The film does have some out there kills. Yeah, Ghostface like ends up shoving him through a window just, as just, well. Just out of curiosity, we, we're both in agreement that Scream Scream Five has the best kills. As a whole, yes. Yeah. Good. I feel like there's certain things you will never be able to be like Casey Becker's death. I, I'm not. I'm not talking about individually. The, I'm not no, talking but, about the scenes. I'm talking about the actual oh yeah, killing. things the, the, like the, the knife inside. Like, like when Judy died, Dewey's like mate, I cried my Dewey's eyes out. Dewey's fucking one in the front, one in the back. I'm just Pulled like, you, yeah, you heartless motherfucker. Like I loved it. <laughs> and it was Amber. Yeah, it's Amber. What a shit person to kill. Him. And um, I can't remember his name, but the one that goes through the neck and comes oh, out the other side. Um, Judy's what, son. Yeah, what a kill that is. Yeah, that was... Um, Judy's death was awful. Yeah, like, they're, like they're all brutal. Good, yeah. The knife through the I'm hand so, with I'm General so, Ortega. Apparently, Scream 6's kills are like Halloween kills, which I will be buzzing if that's, if that's I true. I am looking forward brutal. to... When is it? When, March the 10th? March 10th, yeah. You're off, aren't you? currently yeah. still off work, yeah. Good, right, okay. So, we then get... Jennifer ends up hiding, but when she's hiding... She ends up swinging back into a secret room. Now I never thought about this before, and then when I got to it, it's a fucking secret yeah. You don't, room you don't, you don't as a kid, but it's a double. It's a one-sided mirror yeah. or double-sided mirror, whichever one it is. Where you so they can see them. Yeah. But... So so Milton and his rich friends could have watched people. Filmed. And, and yeah, and I'd imagine that the people taking part in it probably the men would have known that they could yeah. see. But it's like, oh, I'm going to take this girl upstairs. Yeah, and the women, sweet, yeah, the women didn't passage. know, but yeah. the men did. Um, yeah. I thought it Again, was it just, it's just, it, it, this is, like you said, though, it, they've done a good job of um, demonstrating how much of pigs these, these people were. Yeah. But Ghostface chases her up the stairs because she starts running downstairs. Ghostface meets her halfway. They end up running upstairs and she ends up in this secret room where they she can see them but they can't see her. But Dewey can see the banging of the glass and like the vibrations. So he's shooting through each of these mirrors and she's... A, a final thing she says is, you can't kill me, I'm the killer. Yeah. And it's the last panel that Dewey shoots. Magically, Ghostface manages to not disappear, be seen yeah. and disappear and the she mo- just falls out dead. There must have been dead. a passage on the other side of that mirror because yeah. why did have to run across the ones that have been shot? But she just falls out dead so Jennifer's been killed which is such a shame because she it's was not such a, bad a good death character. Scene, though, that it's, she got it's a good clever, death scene. It's inventive, the double-sided mirror. Yeah, it was just a shame that she had to go. Dewey and Gail are downstairs and Dewey's like, yep, yeah, we'll split up. We'll go this way, I'll go that way. As soon as Dewey shoves off, Ghostface jumps out of a, a door Grabs Gail, but she manages to kick back off the wall, sends them both spiraling down. I thought this was really tense. It's 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 a I think it's a homage to Scream 2's climbing over yeah. and seeing it. It's you're there with him knocked out. So Ghostface is knocked out on the stairs. Gail's at the bottom of the stairs. All that she's got is a phone. So she's ringing Dewey, and she's like, "Dewey, I'm in the basement." But Dewey knows he can't trust the voice changer now. So he's like, "Isn't that something the killer would say?" Yeah. And he does end up going down it, but just as he does, like, Ghostface comes back, launches a knife, the, and it smacks him straight see, in the, the head, but the, it's the butt end of the knife. This is a scene that I love and I hate. I love because it's just so Hollywood. If it was, like, and if it was going to be Dewey, it was going to yeah, be Dewey. But, but you can actively see from the minute Dewey and Gale get into that house, Ghostface is not intending on killing them. Mm. He only punches Dewey. He could have stabbed him in the neck right next to him. It's... He, he, wants, he, yeah, he, wants, he wants to capture them. So what, would Roman take that risk of throwing a fucking knife at no. his head? One, where has he got the techers to do that? That's not. A... <laughs> oh my God, that is the first time I've heard techers yeah, I've in not, I've not heard years. techers in years. Where has he got the technability to throw a knife like that? And is technability a word? Definitely not. <laughs> Te- 
Technique. Technique. Technability. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> it's not my edit. <laughs> Oh, that's dating. Um, where's he got the ability to throw a knife like that? But anyway, it, again, it's just one of them yeah, cheap. It's, There's a it's few a cheesy thing, moments in this film. And you just see, like, Ghostface looming down at them when uh, Gail is looming over Dewey, Dewey, seeing if he's okay. Sydney gets a phone call, and she hears a voice repeated back from her, and it's like, who's calling? Who's calling? And then it comes to Ghostface, and he's basically like, I've got Dewey and Gail here. You need to come over here. Don't you want to know who killed your mother? Yeah. And she ends up going, but she looks. She has a gun. She sees the gun. We see her grab the gun, but we also see a glance towards a bulletproof vest glance as well. To, see, I, when I watched it, I thought, if I was watching this for the first time, it's a shame that I watched Scream from so young because I cannot remember yeah. my first time watching. But I... When I was looking, we all know... Well, we know that she wears a bulletproof vest... But if you didn't know that, to me, it looked like she was looking at the door as if to say, can I get out of here? Yeah, so, so you it don't really been, pay yeah, attention to Because so, so the, obviously the, the sheriff's uh, office looks kitted out to be a sheriff's office. So you don't look on, you can't, it's kind of like in the background, like, yeah, yeah, vest, whatever. But then you think, oh, she's looking at the door, like, yeah. can I get out of here? So it, I wish I knew how I felt when I first watched it, but I'd imagine I wouldn't have been expecting her to wear a bulletproof vest. Yeah, I was laughing though when she was like, well where is it? And he's like, I'll let you know when you're on your way. Like, yeah. getting out into the fucking care park and being like, where am I going? Yeah. But she um, she gets to the house. Now, this is the third and final act, isn't it? So One a very, very respectable it's a, final act. It's a decent act. final act. So a, it seems like Ghostface has thought of everything at this point. She's walking up to the house. She sees Tyson, checks his pulse, and then notices there's a metal detector on the floor. She gets a call from Ghostface, and he's like, right, metal detector up and down the body and so she does she puts it up and down her left side and it goes off towards a shoe and she's got a gun hidden in there do you know what i wish for this scene i really wish they'd have done it i wish that they'd have shown ghost that he stood on one of the top floors looking down yeah that i just been good. think that would have been so fucking eerie that like, would have been like, really good because it would have been like come in and challenge me that's basically yeah. what she's expected to yeah, yeah they should have done that That'd like been like a woman in black thing like just look up and he's just stood there Standing in the window there watching, watching like, looking at her no that would have been really good but she throws the gun in the pool and then goes inside because dewey and gail are gagged and tied up inside the house so they manage to sort of she manages to undo everything and things like that and then there's just this big combat scene and Kincaid she ends up shooting Ghostface when he comes in and we think it's sort of like the end but then Kincaid steps in with a gun and it's so quick it's so immediate from when Ghostface is off that you're sort of like oh shit yeah oh shit is it Kincaid but it's not Kincaid and he's like Miss Prescott and like puts the gun down but as the gun's lowered Ghostface comes back in and there's a big chase scene through the house and Sydney ends up in a room which is where the final scenes take place really yeah before the like final final bit and there's a video montage of a mum on the screen from where roman had secretly been filming her and the dead body bag comes back into play which you didn't like because it bridges the reality in the dream which i get yeah takes it off reveals that the killer is roman bridger the, who is the director and Sydney's half brother? And then he, he goes into the backstory of how it happened, which all to me adds up. None of it seems no, too far fetched. Not at all. None of it seems like the clutching at the original to try and keep it relevant. It flows, it sounds well. 
Milton ties into it, Hollywood ties into it. Um, it ties in with the fact it'd be different if the or origin of Maureen wasn't that she was a slag and it was like, oh yeah, by the way, she had this random yeah. affair. And it we knew Maureen, we knew that yeah, we knew that she'd slept about. And... So it's very possible that she had a half brother. We also know that Maureen was married, so she wouldn't have been too accepting of a child from a from an affair or from a, a dirty relationship. Well, that was a rape. Yeah, yeah, from that one, one, from, wasn't one it? from one that it was. From one that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, so it was a past. It, it, it just adds up. It all it, it doesn't feel far. For for a film that's got a lot of flaws, Roman is a killer. I, I've no, never really rated him, but I actually do rate him. I think for one, he's the only one to do it on his own. Yeah. Um he, he has a very good bloody reason. Yeah, he, he's got not he's got a justifiable reason. Like, I know it's meta, but I don't like Jill and Charlie's. Yeah, we reasoning. want to be famous. I don't like Amber's and whatever his name Richie. was. Richie, maybe, yeah. Um, I don't like Mickey's. And I know they're probably the most Scream-esque killers because it's I like meta. the ones that it's have horror, got the... But I like ones with reason, like Revenge or... Yeah. Like, that, they're the ones that I, I can get and into. And Billy, Mrs. Yeah, Loomis yeah. So and Roman's, Roman have Roman's that. Roman's motive is probably the strongest out of any of them because yeah. his mother neglected him and he sees Sydney as the perfect one, the got, one who got, got the everything. life he wanted. Yeah, yeah so... It's a, it's a, I, I do rate Roman as a what, killer. What I love though is Sydney just doesn't take any shit. She's like, I've why heard, don't you stop me yeah. whining and get over this? I've heard it all yeah. before. Like she's, she's just not taking any she's shit. Like, you know why you kill people? Because yeah. you choose to you kill choose people. You choose to take yeah. some fucking responsibility. Because you see Roman getting angry, like it's sick. Because you, you feel like he's distanced himself from actually killing people. He's just he doing wanted his job. this big reaction from yeah. Sydney. I feel like, and he didn't. He get wants it. her to be terrified. Yeah, he, he wants he wants her to kind of be submissive and be like, "Please don't kill yeah, me." But she's but like, she's "No, like... you're a fucker." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, well, the final things are like, "Fuck you, yeah. fuck you," and like they go on this massive rampage. And then I love the. Uh, does she do it in Scream Two? Because Scream One, you've got. Um, let me think because I want to know before I, I, I mention this comment. So what the Scream Two rundown? I don't think, I don't think there is. But Scream One, she dresses up as Ghostface yeah. and jumps out of cupboard. Something notorious that Ghostface does. Shows his kind of use the tricks on him. And then in the third one, again, she uses a phone trick. So Roman's just about to ring her, and then Scream Two, she uses the set. Y yeah, but it's not. It's not ghost she, face. Yeah, she doesn't not, use something Yeah, ghost like it's not, it's not a predominant ghost face attribute yeah. like um, hiding in closets is and jumping out clothed up or well, using the phone. Before that, come on, like th this, I remember watching this for the first time and I don't remember a lot of watching Scream 3 for the first time, but I remember thinking, oh my God, Sydney's dead. Like it absolutely broke my heart yeah, even as a kid. Shot, shot like, I thought, twice. I it, thought it had killed her. It was execution. Well, not execution style because that's a bullet to the head. But it was kind of like I'm making sure it's you're done. dead. Shoots her in the vest, um, and then again she does the old ghost face trick of disappearing. Like he turns around. I, I think Roman plays. He acts really well in this scene. Like really well for a horror film because you can really see it in his eyes and his mannerisms and his body language. Shit. When Sydney's gone and people are banging on the door, he's kind of he stood there without Pressure. his mask on. Because he, he was expecting to finish Sydney off, finish Milton off, go upstairs, Dewey and Gayla still tied up, restrained, can't move, finish them off, problem solved. Now all of a sudden he's got, well, first Dewey, which makes me piss, is like, stand back, sticks a fucking, <laughs> stick something in the electric Fucking shorts out yeah, the electrics. <laughs> which would probably only do the sockets, not the lighting Thank as well. you, electrical but, engineer. But he... It, that, that just makes me stand back. <laughs> that, that just, just makes me laugh. It's the noise but, he makes as well. He's like, what? 
you can, you can see Roman getting flustered and getting overwhelmed and he's like, fuck, this is not how yeah, he's like, where are you? And then Sid makes a call and the, the fight scene, it like becomes back and uh, Sidney eventually kills him with an ice pick. Mm-hmm. Now question for you that I've only thought about as we've been speaking about it. Do you think because Scream, there's no Scream. I don't know if it happens in Scream 5. don't think it does. Does Sydney ever use Ghostface's knife? I don't no. think she does. Do you think that's symbolic of something? The idea that she'd never cross yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's not. She's not because of the play on it in Scream Five with Sam. She shoots. She shoots them. She shot them, but she's never. She shoots. She shoots. She shoots them, but she never picks up the knife, the Ghostface knife, and and kills. I'm fucking telling you, Sam's the killer in Scream Is that symbolic? Do you think? Do you think they because. The ice pick death's cool, blah, blah, blah. I'd much rather prefer to see her grab Ghostface's knife and lodge it in his own chest. But is it symbolic that she won't do that? I think so. And also, the point is, Sydney never really... I mean, I know... Not even really Mickey and... I mean, she did sort of finish Stu off, sort of, I suppose. But, like, Billy wasn't killed by Sydney. No. Billy was killed by Gail. Mrs. Loomis was killed by Cotton. This is the first time Sydney's had to put the knife in herself, essentially. Yeah, you are right, actually. She's always been saved. Yeah. And then she finished she, the She off. killed Stu, but it was, that was a TV on top of the head. It wasn't, yeah. like, it wasn't like... You stab someone, she was in, reaching, you stab someone yeah. in the heart with an ice pick to kill them. Yeah. You, you, shove, you, shove, you shove a TV on someone's head to, to stop them chasing you, to, to stop the... To defend yourself, essentially, yeah. whereas this was an attack, it wasn't a defence. And even when she plunges a knife pick in, it's like, I, I killed you. Yeah. And she's and she's like, guess we think we're more alike than we thought. And she reveals, yeah, reveals that she's the got the bulletproof And then she sheds a tear holding his hand. She and does. It, it, because she is. She a, grabs his hand, doesn't she? And he grabs hers and it's so fierce. And, it, and is that, I think that's a, a collection of things. It's one, it's a brother. It's, a, it's She's related, blood related to him and she's killed him. Two... Sydney's lost her mother, doesn't really have a relationship with her dad, doesn't have much family at all. You never hear of grandparents no, or nieces we only, or nephews. We only or, know about yeah, Jill she, and... she was a lonely child. So, Scream 4. Well, she... Lonely child. Obviously, Rowan was yeah. there, but she was believed... She didn't know that, yeah. Child. So, yeah, she's... Yeah, Sydney, it's always the ones closest to her, but you don't get much closer than your own brother. No. Do you know what I mean? She, there'd be a, a, a load of overwhelming emotions. The fact that Sydney would have probably been... If if Roman had turned up at one point in her life and been like, look, I'm your brother, she maybe would have been a, a welcome with open yeah. arms. Like, oh, we've both got this traumatic traumatic event that happened it, to it, our it, mother. They, bo- they were both at the very same part point of their lives. Yeah. What, they both took a very different turn in that part. They both had anger over the yeah. situation, but one was... One dealt with it in a yeah. way that was less yeah. violent than the other. Do you think the half the brother-sibling thing was a bit of a thing for Halloween? Potentially with Laurie being Michael's sister in the first timeline or second timeline, whichever fucking timeline we're talking about now. I thought so. Especially, I saw it in Resurrection. I mean, I'm pretty sure, I'm solidly sure Resurrection came after Scream 3. But when Michael's reaching out his hand when he's on that crane to Laurie before he kills her off and like he reaches out to hold her hand and then that's what becomes a run even doing. though unfortunately resurrection has to be involved in the continuity timeline because laurie strode is in it but. resurrection 
was ahead of its time. Not for killing Laura Strode, because that was a very Resurrection good mistake. Is a, but is a fun, I love Resurrection. Resurrection is a fun film if it's not Halloween. Yeah, like, any, I like Anything it. else and it's it good. It didn't have to be. Uh, we, it could have like, been a standalone film. Yeah, it could yeah. have been not Michael Myers and just a standalone film. But that's a story for another yeah. day. <laughs> not that we're raging too much about it. But yeah, so Roman's dead. Yeah, and Green then... Gale come in. It's Roman this whole time. Yeah. And then we Roman? go to the, then we go to the cute happy ending. Yeah, so Dewey and Gale get engaged. Dewey's hollowed out Gale's book, which I feel I feel like that's a I feel like that's a very poignant part of the relationship because that would I, I feel like Gale wouldn't have been happy about that. She's sort of very materialistic, and I do yeah. feel like that proposal sort of sets against the idea that actually they're not suited. Yeah. in how they are it's the idea that Dewey's never really taken her work seriously yeah and I, 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 I just thought that was a real like, thing when I was watching it but then Sydney opens up the gates and she's free and happy and Kincaid's there weirdly and she's, he's like we're going to watch a movie and yeah. she's like what movie and he's like oh you'll have to come see and she leaves the door and yeah, like slightly opens just lock the fucking door it's, yeah I think, I think that's the two things it was one to leave the idea of this story might not be over yeah. yet and two, to show Sydney's kind of like, done now, I've done it. The, the I've thing done, is... Because it was the end of the trilogy. It's yeah. like, right, I'm not scared anymore. I could see it in Scream 1 because at the end of the day, we were left with the knowledge that Billy and Stu were the killers. It was a very random killing spree. They killed Maureen. It was over with. Scream 2, I can sort of understand the freedom because it was really nothing to do with Maureen. It was sort of against Sydney, this one, from Mrs. Loomis were like avenging Billy. Scream 3 actually turned everything on its head and actually Billy and Stu weren't the original orchestras. Yeah. It was Roman. So after... The story's concluded. Kind after of. knowing that though, you'd sort of think, yeah, but what if there was somebody behind Roman? Yeah. Like, what, you, if, what, what if I've got 10 minutes? It goes all the way to the top. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's the, it is, it's it, the conclusion. It, it, it was, it's the end, where, isn't it? was the ending that people probably wanted, which was yeah. happy, Sydney ever, in the, happy, happy Ever After. Yeah, yeah. in the sunlight. The three, the three survivors and then Sydney's found a fella. Oh. So, fun fact. Okay, so we'll start off with the budget. What was the budget for this film? 33 million. 40 million. Oh, it's not a million miles. No. It's, not, it's not in the five either way. It was a million miles off, but it was not too much yeah. of a million miles off. What about the box office then? What did it pull in? 80 million. 161.8 million. Yeah, Remember, it's had an a, yeah. amazing original and an a fantastic sequel that a yeah. lot of people hold just as highly as the original not me so not you i know right behind the scenes the actor who played tom the who played dewey yeah he tom. was yeah tom is that his first name tom yeah the actor who the, the no the actor who played dewey is david arquette but tom was the actor in the film that was oh, playing the dewey. actor oh, yeah the it, oh, it gets yeah, really get, complicated yeah, yeah. when you yeah, start yeah, thinking yeah. it Originally auditioned for Billy Loomis in the original Scream oh, and then nice. was brought Called back that. later on. Uh, due to scheduling conflicts, uh, Nev Campbell was only available for 20 days and that's why her role is much smaller and she also had to wear a wig because in the film that she was um, currently starring in, she had really long hair with blonde and something yeah. highlights and it just wouldn't have fit Sydney's character. So she had to wear this wig every time she was on set. Uh, it was originally supposed to be, this is uh, the bit where we were talking about the violence and stuff. So this was originally supposed to be a fan club of stab movies in Woodsboro. And it was supposed to be high schoolers, but Columbine happened yeah. and they had to change it, obviously, because of the high school thing. But reminiscent things of it can be seen in Scream 4. 
because they brought the, the idea of a fan club back. Right. Originally, Angelina was supposed to be the second killer. There was no motive for her. She was just assisting Roman. The casting was so last minute that Patrick Dempsey, who played Detective Kincaid, was cast the day before shooting began. So he had to learn his lines the day before. Right. Columbine meant that on-screen violence and blood was heavily argued against. So there was a lot of blood and yeah, gore in screen out. three. And then the producers were like, no, we can't do this. And I, wish, so, I wish we did a, a different cut of the film. Yeah, Wes Craven had to fight for what he got. Yeah. So things like, originally, um, the opening kill... Well, it's actually technically not the opening kill. The second kill, Cotton, he was supposed to get a knife through his head. And you can catch that deleted scene from somewhere. It is it is somewhere in right. the scene. But he, he obviously got called, killed off screen. Why used it in screen four then? That's why there's so many off screen kills and there's a little violence. It was because yeah, of Columbine. Makes sense. Um, the house in Halloween H2O was the house that Milton owned in the film. And lastly, Wes Craven cameos in the set bit with Jay and Silent Bob, you know, where he's like, it's Connie fucking Chung. Oh, and she yeah, puts yeah. him in a finger up. He's behind them walking past. So he is actually there. And that's the end of my behind the scenes facts. So my would you rather, it's not a would you rather shock. If you could have three podcast guests from characters in horror films, they can be dead or alive, but you you're po- you're interviewing them or you're having a podcast with them in their character. So it's not like you're... At, you're you won't be interviewing Neville Campbell. Yeah, yeah it's Sidney Prescott. Prescott, yeah. Right. I'd, it'd and, have to be... and they can interact with each other, so take that into... Oh. Right, it would have to be Sydney, simply because yeah, of the Yeah, I knew Sid would be one. Like That's why I said there. three, not two. I'd really like to interview Lorraine Warren. I feel like she'd have yeah, a that'd shitload be a good one. of info. Like, I feel like you'd get a lot in there. Lorraine Warren, and you come up with your one, other couple while I come up with the last one. I'd, I'd, one of them would be uh, Dr. Loomis. Good one. Um, who else would I have? I mean, Michael Myers is such a talker. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't have Michael on it. Mate, imagine trying to fucking do a podcast and he's just sat looking at you like that. I'd be shitting can't. myself. I'd be like, yeah, we're bros. Bros. Uh, so yeah, Dr. Loomis, because he'd just know the most about Michael, so that'd essentially be interviewing Michael. Yeah. Um, who else have we got? Oh, I've got one. Go on, who's your It would either be Valak or the fire lipstick demon, because I'd just love to know where they came from. Mine would be Valak. Mine would be, yeah, the the nun. Uh, And who would my third one be? Um, Maybe um, What's Her Face? Must be a big guess. Gail Weathers would be good, though, as well. I feel like she'd be really good. I feel like Gail would be more on about journalism. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) sure, Gail, we're not wanting to know. What's what's her fucking face from... uh, Oh, I know her well. Insidious. E. Begins with an E. Oh, Elise. Elise. Elise She'd be, be very good. good. So that'd be mine. Elise, Dr. Loomis and Valak. That'd be a really good one. I mean, like the band between I can, Elise I can, I can and Valak could yeah, be. Yeah, I can imagine Valak just being like, just let me do my, let me do my <laughs> thing, bitch. Just, just let me possess, bro. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even from your universe. Demons are going to dement. <laughs> you know, just let me do my thing. That's so funny. like, you come into my world. Like, <laughs> I come into your world. You come in, it's back, back and yeah. forth. Give and take, give and take. No, that'd be good. Well, we say Valak was a nun. say it's Valak, how are you? Oh, yeah, work's not bad. Yeah. Someone's making it a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, I really, I really wish. <laughs> You're like, can I get you out to drink? He just points his finger yeah. at a bottle of Coke on the floor. You're like, whoa, okay. just say it. Right, so what's your film for next week? Or the week after? My film for next week is in my 
new book from the episode that I'm going to do next that we're recording. You didn't next. get your name on that one. I think I did. Oh, I couldn't see it then. The light was blocking it. Of course, I've got my name on it. It's The Empty Man. Never heard of it. I've heard very good things, so I was like... But you haven't watched it? I haven't watched ah, it Ah, so it's the first one's both then. It is. Oh, so good. I thought, yeah, let's do, let's do that. And next week's podcast episode is going to be on Scary Games and Rituals. Which we are going to record in about three minutes. <laughs> on the band. I feel like we've, yeah, we're, we're focused, we're there. Right, well, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this one. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, bye.